Good to be here. Welcome. Still good to be with people. Yeah. We, um, we're not getting peopled out yet, are we? Today we're looking, we're continuing in our studies on Isaiah, and we're actually looking, and this is a cool thing to look at, we're looking at Jesus in Isaiah. That's a very strange thing to say because Isaiah was written about 600 years before Jesus came along. And it's exciting to know that God's plan just spanned in such perfection all of time and he knew and he planned who Jesus wants to be and who really, as um, the way Isaiah describes Jesus, is the Messiah, the Christ, the Saviour. Okay, but I want to start by saying this, just, just as a reminder of something which should be pretty basic when you're a Christian, because the word Christian starts with Christ, we are all about Jesus. I want to just tell you again, Jesus is absolutely everything to us. Do you know that? Never stop looking to him. He is the King of the Kingdom, he's Lord and Saviour, he is the most wonderful, the most glorious, he is everything. He's the one who loves us, he's the one who died for us. He's called our husband. He loves us as a perfect husband. Uh, he is the only one in this world that gives us hope and joy and peace. And he's the only one who gives us any sense that we're worth anything. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? So, never give up getting to know more about Jesus. The, you, don't think that you can kind of get on top of him and understand everything and it's like you could write it down on an A4 piece of paper and learn it. You can never get to the bottom of Jesus. Keep studying him. Okay. If you were to split up the book of Isaiah into three parts, you would see that Isaiah kind of describes the Messiah, who we know as Jesus, in three different ways. In the first part, which is really chapters 1 to 37, he's the king. In the second part, he is what you might call the suffering servant. And in the third part, which is from verse, uh, chapters 56 onward, he is the mighty conqueror, the victor. Okay? Now you might say, what's the difference between king and conqueror? What's the difference between... The, uh, the, the, the king who rules over a country and the general who goes into battle, who wins the battle and does the planning and defeats the enemy. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, as we look at these three things, I want us to see really clearly... I'm actually excited about this message. Do I look excited? <laughs> this morning, we've had a whole lot of stuff go wrong this morning, but the whole time I've been excited about this message because it's about Jesus... And because we can see that him as a king and as a suffering servant, as a conqueror, is absolutely, when I say absolutely, I mean completely, totally relevant and so important for us living in 2020, not just 2020, but June 2020, which is very different than, July, than sorry, January 2020 was. Okay? I'm going to pray. Father, as we uh, come to hear about Jesus, our king, the servant and the conqueror. This morning I pray you would speak to us by your spirit that you would make your word alive to us, that it would touch home and Father that you would bless us and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now I'm going to start with a passage that we know really well from Christmas time, but it's speaking of the son who would be born, who would be king. Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal or the fire of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Okay, can you hear that? Isaiah is saying sometime in the future is going to come a king in David's line. He's going to establish David's kingdom. But this king is going to be the perfect king. David wasn't a perfect king, we know that. But he's going to rule on David's throne. Because the kings of Israel all failed. Every one of them failed. But this king won't fail. And the government will be on his shoulders. Can you see the ruling and the, and the leading was on the shoulders of Christ. He is, he is ruling over all things. And this government, the, the increase of it, will never end. The peace of this will never end. Okay? And he will uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on, time on and forever. So this king will rule. He will govern. He will do everything perfectly. He will always be just. He will never be corrupt. He will never make a bad decision. He won't make a bad policy he, he, will, he, he won't be a public servant who's there to serve himself, but he will always be for the people. Um, he will not be anything like any leader in this world. That's the truth. Okay? This, he is the perfect king. He will be, in essence, the wrap-up of the perfect king, the perfect queen, the perfect president, the perfect prime minister, even the perfect dictator. The, the whole lot wrapped up together, but absolutely, dictator is not a bad word if you've got a good king, right? Okay. And, not only that, this one will be different than David or any of the other kings, Solomon, because it says this strange bit. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. That's good for a king, isn't it? Here we call Prince of Peace. That's a good thing for a king. Everlasting Father. Mighty God. Now we're stretching it, aren't we? This king will be God himself. Can you hear that? The mighty God himself. And, and we know that Isaiah, just before, a couple of chapters, in chapter 7, verse 14, this is also when we speak of Christmas, which is good, about the birth of this king. It says, Therefore the Lord will give you a sign... The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. Now that's a miracle. That's an impossibility. Virgins don't have children. They don't have sons. And he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So a baby's going to be born. He's going to be a son and he's going to be called God with us. Now that is Jesus, the son of God. And he will rule wisely and justly Forever, and the increase of his government will never end. Now, this might not sound... I want you to get this, because it's so important for us. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
and he will judge justly. We're told later in Isaiah, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will be called the king of righteousness. He will be called the king who is beautiful. He is an awesome king. This is Jesus. Now, why is this important for us right now in June 2020? I think it's because of this. I reckon our world is in a very insecure place and everybody's feeling it. And I'm not just talking about COVID. There's a whole lot of stuff going on where it just feels like the pot is starting to bubble up and at any moment it's going to boil over. And we don't know what that looks like. Now, I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom or anything. I'm just saying... We live in a, a time where there is a deep insecurity, not, not because it shouldn't be there, it is actually insecure times. And over this world, which seems insecure, there is a king who is ruling justly, right now. Do you know that? He is ruling righteously, he is ruling wisely, and he is the one we can trust in. Not in human rulerships. Because if we do, we will be let down, we will be hurt, we will be more unsafe, and probably something that's going on right across the world right now, I mean right across the world, there'll be a lot of anger. We'll be angry. So what I'm saying again, we need to hear this point. I'm going to go over it again from an Old Testament point of view, and then hopefully we'll make it hit home, because this is good. In Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has his dream. He doesn't know what it is. Daniel, the prophet, comes and he interprets a dream to him and it's about a statue which has got four parts. And the top part, the head is made of gold, then the, the chest is of silver, the stomach and the thighs are made of bronze and the legs are of clay and iron. And when Daniel interprets his dream, he says, "This is you are this kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, and then there's another kingdom going to come and another kingdom and another kingdom going to come, right? which basically is Babylon, Persia, Greece, the Greek kingdom of Alexander the Great, and then Rome, the Roman kingdom. But during that time, a rock will come that's not carved by human hands, and it's going to smash the whole statue to bits. Right. Because it was during the Roman time that the great king came, didn't he? Jesus. Now, what does it mean that he's going to smash all that to bits? And, he's, and it said he's going to establish an everlasting kingdom, which is going to be the kingdom of God. And he'll be the king there. He's saying this. You see, you notice how each of those nations was smashed to bits. It's saying this king is not going to be like the king of other nations. It's not going to be, right, you've had a, you've had a reasonably good Babylonian one and a, and a Persian one and a, a Greek one, but I'm going to set up a perfect king with a perfect prime minister and it's going to be just like them except better. It's not that. The kingdom of God is something quite different. You see, it's not going to be like these other nations which rise and fall and they have their policies and they have their rules for government. It's not going to be like that. And you've got your army and you've got your trade policies and you've got your immigration policies. That's what we're all talking about, isn't it? So if we can only get the perfect lot of those policies, which only I know, except if I talk to John, he's got a very different lot of policies. And if I talk to Dean, he's got a very different lot of policies for the way he wants to the perfect government, but it's not going to be like kind of this, finally a government we all agree with. This is a different kingdom. It, is, it is, spreads out over the whole world right now, and there are lots of kingdoms and governments over the world, aren't there? But this one reaches through them all, and Jesus is the king of them right now. 
And when Jesus came, he said this, the kingdom of God is coming. He also said the kingdom of God is near and he said the kingdom of God is amongst you. Why could he say that? Because he was the king. And he'd arrived and when he arrived, so did the kingdom of God. So we right now can put our trust in Jesus, the king. Or we can put our trust in worldly kingdoms. In which case, as I say, if I go around the room, you're each going to say, well, I think we should do it this way. I think we should follow him. I think we should follow her. I think we should, you know, they're all, they're all good. This one's bad. Psalm 118 verse 8 and 9 says this. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. I'll say it again. There is insecurity in the world today. There's disease. There's insecurity in economics, in jobs, in money, in share markets, in national alliances. Who's the allies? Who are we with? Yeah? Trade policies. They are shaky right now. Who's got the strongest army? Because we should side with them, shouldn't we? We'd be smart if we did. Okay. And what we're hearing from Christians is, and this is my, my problem, but it's not my problem, it's, it's all of our problem, and I'm get, we all get sucked into it. We get, what we, which world leader are you going with? It's like, what, you want to go back to the statue? Didn't, that got smashed to bits. Do you understand? Which, are you going to go with this side or that side or that one or this one? On what policy are you going to go with them? And, and all over the place, there is Christians arguing over which worldly prince we should take refuge in. And it's said in that passage, it's better to take refuge in the law than to trust in princes. Can you hear what I'm saying? There is no world leader, and I'm, I'm not, I don't care which side of politics or anything, there is no world leader who is going to fix this world. But there is a king who's already established over the whole world, and his kingdom reigns everywhere. Can you hear that? Then can I encourage you in this? Really, just quite simply, this is very practical. Don't get stuck into and get your head mixed up in conspiracies and intrigues and fear and all that other stuff and everybody who has opinions because quite simply, 1 John tells us this, 1 John 5 19 says, we know that we are the children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Well, that's pretty. That separates it out nicely, doesn't it? We're the children of God and the whole world's under the control of the evil one. So if we are looking to, to re-establish some sort of world leadership, well, let's build a statue and worship it because that's what it's doing. You see, it didn't just stop with the Romans, did it? There's been other nations. Of course, one of the greatest nations, empires on earth was the British Empire. But it kind of just fritted away, didn't it? And then, well, really, after that came the American Empire. That's not ever going to fritter away that. That's going to last forever, isn't it? No? Okay. <laughs> Anybody nodding? No? Nodding off? Okay. Can you, can you see, those nations are going to keep riding, and a new one's going to override that one, but don't worry, that one's not going to last forever. A new one's going to come over that one, and a new one's going to come over that one, because all of these established kingdoms are hopeless. Unless you know the king who rules over all, whose government never stops increasing. 
I tell you, if you put your trust, what first thing you do is you'll find yourself arguing with people. Give it up. It's a waste of time because we're all wrong when we do that. We'll end up disappointed and we'll end up holding up protests. What's protest saying? We want to move the government to the right way that we all think is right and so on. Look to Jesus. He is the King. He is Almighty God. God with us. Look to Him. There you will have true peace that you cannot find in the princes of this world. If this sounds like such a basic message, and I know I'm repeating myself. The reason I'm repeating myself is because we're getting sucked into it. Aren't we? Do I hear a nod? Are we getting sucked into this, people? We're getting sucked into worldly rulers which are just not going to cut it. The King of Kings is the one to trust. Jesus. So when you're in a conversation and someone starts talking about blah, blah, blah person, say, I know a king. And his kingdom is going to establish forever. And it will be just. And it is good. And it will take me home. I'm in his hands. Right, that was point one, which sounds like a long point. I'll try and keep the others short. <laughs> point two is what... Uh, Jesus is described not only as the king, he's described as the suffering servant. So in chapter 42 of Isaiah, it says this, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. Now firstly say this, did you see he was for the nations and the islands? Okay, in other words, not just Israel. The whole world. Every nation. Again, his kingship's there. But then it's got, the picture of him is really of quite a, well, he hasn't got strength, has he? A bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick will not, he's not even going to snuff out, he's, he's going to seem weak. Is this talking about the same king as before? Because the Jews didn't think so. They split these up. Can't be the same Messiah, can it? It's got to be two different figures. He won't have strength as far as the world knows, but he will serve the people. Now, I'm going to go into a longer verse. I've cut it a bit shorter. That's not because um, I wanted to miss any bits. It's all good here, this passage, uh, in Isaiah chapter 52 starting. So, I encourage you to read this, but he, Isaiah goes on and speaks about this servant who will come. See, my servant, the suffering servant, will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. That call, he sounds like he's on a throne, doesn't it? Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man. Now hang on, is this the same one who's on the throne? In, you know in John 3 it says, when you see me high and lifted up, and then it, and John says he's speaking about the way he's going to die. High and lifted up where? On the cross. Yeah, high and lifted up. So there were many who were, he was so disfigured that they were appalled at him. His figure beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. So as though this Jesus was so twisted that he didn't even look in the likeness of God. 
because humanity is made in the image of God. Why would he not be in the image of God anymore? Because he's so full of the sins of evil humanity that he is marred and disfigured. But so he will sprinkle many nations. Sprinkle means to sprinkle is to cleanse with blood. And kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were told, sorry, what they were not told, they will see. And what they will have not heard, they will understand. There's going to be a time where people are going to know about Jesus fully. There's going to be a full revelation and the kings and rulers of this world will shut their traps. They'll have nothing to say. Not to this king. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm means his strength, the muscles. He's revealed his great strength. So we're going to go for the power show here, are we? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. Again, in weakness. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So if you'd seen Jesus walking down the street, you wouldn't have gone, well, check out the halo on that dude. He would have been just a normal man, like normal men. He would have said, Middle Eastern appearance, that's what Jesus was, coming towards you, just a man. Nothing to attract us to him. Not. Didn't look like Brad Pitt. No. Nothing in his appearance we should die. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. So in other words, in fact, rather than being glorious, he was like he was, he, he's actually someone who suffers. So someone who suffers is not from God, are they? Like one who men hide their faces from. He, is, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Right, so this Jesus, this suffering servant, this Messiah, this king, he's starting to look really weak. Now what, what was going on there? Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. In other words, as he took the sin, the sorrows, the infirmities, all the iniquities, the punishment and so on, which we're going to talk about in a minute, we considered him stricken by God, under God's wrath. And why did we consider him like that? Because he was. Because all of us in our sin deserved God's wrath, and Jesus took it. He took our place. And he suffered under that. And it says that, you see in, in the next couple of verses, in verse 5, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Can you see that? He has taken our place. That's why he's disfigured and marred and, and suffering and under the curse of God, because he has taken our place. Now, I skipped over a bit, but it says here, For he was cut off from the land of the living, he died. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. No, but that's not the end of it. Verse 11 says, After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life. 
and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. Now, justify many will mean he will declare many righteous. Can you hear God declaring you righteous? I'm just going to say, Greg, Christ declares you righteous when you trust in him. How about that? You are righteous. Is that good to know? Big reaction, sorry. <laughs> you, are, you are right. He, he is declaring many to be righteous. You can say, how can he declare something that's non-righteous righteous? Because he's taken all their sins, so they are righteous. They have been made perfect. Okay. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life under death and was numbered with transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is a suffering servant who is the Messiah, who is also the King who is God with us. And he is the one who would bear the sins. You see, what this is saying is, do you know this? Our biggest problem is actually our sin. Why is our sin a big problem? It's not that bad, I'm all that bad, am I? Because our sin separates us from God. And Jesus has come and broken that separation by taking our sin, and now what's between us and God? Nothing. We are completely at one with him. And Jesus alone is the one who could do this. He is the king, but he is also the suffering servant who's the sin bearer. And he takes, he saves our lives. You see, if we don't see we have this eternal need to have our sins removed, we won't want the sin-bearer Messiah. We might want the king, and we might even want the conqueror, but we won't want this sin-bearer. And he is the one we desperately need, because there we are set free from the power of sin and death. Because we cannot, in our own strength, be righteous and acceptable to God. So, point three. He is the conqueror. The victor, the overcomer, the one who wins the battle for us. And here we get this passage in Isaiah 63, and it, it's, it's the, the general riding home on his horse. Okay, and I, Who is this coming from Eden, from Bosra, with his garments stained crimson? Who is this robed in splendour, striding forth in the greatness of his strength? It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Why are your garments red like the one of those treading the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone. From the nations no one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and I trod them down in my wrath. Their blood splattered my garments and I stained all my clothing. For the day of vengeance was in my heart and the year of my redemption has come. I looked but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave me support. So my own arm worked salvation for me, and my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger, and in my wrath I made them drunk and poured out their blood on the ground. Now this is a this is like a, a picture from one of those fighting scenes, in, you know, you see in movies, and he's got blood on him. And what have you been doing? I have been defeating the enemies. You can see the blood splattered on me from that's I've been killing them. And, and what was it, a great army? No, I had to do it alone. There was no one who was with me. I had to do it all myself, says Jesus. No one could help. Jesus the Messiah defeated our enemies. Our guilt, our sin, our shame, our sinful nature, 
personal enemies. He defeated the devil. Great enemy. The reason the Son of God appeared, says John, was to destroy the works of the devil. He did that. He defeated the whole world in its opposition to God. He defeated death when he rose rose from the dead. He is the conqueror. He is the ruler. He is the victor, the triumphant leader. Jesus is his name. Now, understand this. We live in a world that's full of what we see as violence, injustices and hatred and pain and suffering and rapes and murders and domestic violence and all sorts of horrible stuff, don't we? And, and, and we, we see that in our own lives and we see it in people close to us and we long for someone and we dream sometimes, I don't know if you ever dream about this, I'm going to go and beat up that bloke who was doing that. I'm going to go and I, I just want to defeat the enemies. I want to kill them all. Do you ever feel like that? I do. <laughs> sometimes I want to get them. Yep. Do you know this? There is an overcomer whose name is Jesus and he will do away with the enemies once and for all. He will defeat them. There will not be injustice in the end. It, it is good to know that there is a judge who is righteous, who rules righteously, who will defeat every one of those evil people. Do you know that? Is that good to know? Because it just seems like they get away with it. At the moment they're not. There is an overcomer and the blood of these defeated enemies will be splashed, even on him. And they will be gone forever. So what I'm saying is this. If you want assurance for your future in this life, know the conqueror. It's good to know him as a king. He's leading you wisely and he is the almighty God and he died for your sins. But that's kind of going to come short when you face hard times unless you know he is the one who has conquered all of your enemies as well as his. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is the conqueror. He will defeat. And one day there will be a judgment day. And he will judge justly. Yep, he will get it right. Because we go, but what about it? He knows. How do, we, do we know that? We want to just tell Jesus now, make sure you judge this person this sort of way because we know he knows their hearts. He knows those who will put their trust in him and those who never trust in the Lord Jesus, his wrath will remain on them because he is the conqueror who will defeat all of his enemies. I want to finish by reading a passage which speaks of the conqueror in Revelation 19 verse 11. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule over them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of a God Almighty. On his robes and on his thigh he has a name written, this name written, 
King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can you see in that? They all come together. The mighty King, the sin bearer, the conqueror. He is our Lord. I tell you, look to him in every part of your life because he will give you everything you need. Look to Jesus. Never stop looking to Jesus. And pray. Father, we give you thanks for the Lord Jesus. You sent him, your son, our king, who rules wisely. We thank you for him and his rule that we can trust him. And we thank you that he bore our sins. And we thank you that he has conquered all of your enemies and ours. Father, increase our faith. Spread it out that it might reach over all of our lives. And Father, I pray that our faith would reach out even over those lives around those we touch, those we know, that they might see in us and that they might not put their hope in this world and its pathetic kingdoms, but in you and your great eternal kingdom. Father, I pray that we will be known as a church and as a people who worships and honours and adores and loves you and holds you up and proclaims you and worships you in everything we do because you are the Lord of all. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.